Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, check us out at yesodblocks.com. We have a lot of new stuff going on there all the time. A recently added feature, it's a WhatsApp feature where now you can actually directly WhatsApp me with any kinds of questions that you might have. And for subscribers, you get unlimited voice notes in response to any general or specific questions, relationship, Kabbalah, Machshava, Torah, any questions that you have to ask. That's the place to reach me now, so check that feature out. Also, if you're not a, subscri- a subscriber yet, then you can always subscribe, but you can also reach out with questions and I'll answer you as much as I can, as soon as I can, if you have some kind of general question about either these episodes or uh, other Torah content. So check us out, yesoblocks.com. The WhatsApp feature is the new doorway to actually allowing us to really communicate and get deeper and deeper with a lot of these questions, a lot of these issues, and really exploring these things in a more specific way. It's actually a general problem that whenever we talk about Torah in this way, where it's so substantive and there's just so much depth and nuance and layering to it that I think a lot of people experience this. Uh, there's a, an attempt to a- apply what we're learning to ourselves, obviously, because we want to use the things that we're learning. And then sometimes uh, our individual situations are particularly unique, as they all should be. And so then asking questions and trying to figure out how to apply these things uh, to ourselves is super important and super relevant and super meaningful. So uh, my hope is that by adding this feature with this WhatsApp doorway, that we can really communicate a lot more. And if anybody has any questions about what is being shared in these episodes or in general, you can always reach out that way. And again, for subscribers, you get unlimited voice note responses which are super tailored if you're not a subscriber you still will get responses but it might take a little longer and might not always be in voice notes Um, but obviously I want to try to answer as many questions as I can and be there for as many people as possible but I always recommend subscribing because that really allows uh, for the ultimate involvement since subscribing allows me more resources to actually uh, do what it is that we're doing here at Yesoda Blocks and really build what we're doing. So uh, that's a big new thing that's going on at Yesoda Blocks. In another couple of weeks, we hope to also be uh, switching over to video, and it's also going to be awesome, and we're going to have a lot of new stuff going on then, and a bunch of new series are going to get dropped over the next month or two, uh, advanced Kabbalah things and other areas, and lots of just very, very cool and diverse things that we're adding very soon, Be'ezrat Hashem. So check all that out at yesodablocks.com. Uh, so in this episode, we're actually getting to a new Siman. We're in Siman Reish Nun Gimel now. It's Erev Shabbos, so we're doing Shabbos halachos today and uh, Reish Nun Gimel is actually um, we're now getting even more intensively across the bridge towards discussions of malacha oriented halachos and what about, by malacha as we've discussed until now uh, the whole dynamic of Shabbos really is is tailored to deal with the tendency that we have to over identify ourselves with our capacity for impacting and creating change in the world, in the physical world, in the in the measurable world, and so we each experience ourselves as somebody, as someone who is real. We we intuitively sense that we are someone, unlike a computer, uh, which is not self-aware and is simply a a machine that can make lots and lots of calculations. We experience ourselves as actually someone who can actually uh, we're 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 the subjective perceivers of our own calculations and our own thoughts of our own experiences. There is someone here inside of each one of us, and that someoneness, that dynamic of self, that experience of yourself as someone, is the meaning of the word neshama. And so that 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 um, that dynamic or that that fact about us, that phenomenon about what it means to be human, and we 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 have that embedded in all of our. Uh, uh, involvement in the world. We sense that we are someone, and then we try to do things in the world that reflect our someoneness. We try to leave a mark on existence, try to leave some kind of an impact, which is what the word kavod means when somebody walks into a room. So then we see them, we sense that their presence is here. Now when you walk into a room, you want to be experienced, you want to be known as someone who exists, and that's the kavod that you want 
from other people. The word kavod comes from the word kaved, which means weight or heavy, like something which is leaving an impact or leaving a mark. And so that's what we're all trying to do. And so when we actually engage in malacha, what's happening there is we are channeling our consciousness, our conscious uh, proactive autonomy into some kind of physical form that now it can perpetuate even without us applying ourselves to it. Like if you build something, for example, um, so you now created a, a higher state of organization in the physical world that now is a reflection of your own self, or your own conscious existence, because that couldn't have happened on its own. And so when you actually apply your consciousness to the physical world in that way, you now leave a mark of yourself in the world. And that's something which is very then reflectively validating for us because we experience our own self in our realness through this external manifestation. And we say, look, that shows that I really am real. Now I can believe in myself a little more. I can actually show other people and maybe they'll believe in me as well. And this is because as neshamos, as selves that live inside of this physical context, so sometimes we struggle because we 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 are we have this duality, this or a seeming duality, where there's me, the self, and then there is this world in which uh, so often I'm not seen, so often I'm not heard, so often I don't feel like I even am doing anything that, that's significant, and and uh, I, I, I intuitively sense my body could die at any time, something can go, things can just go wrong, and so there's a certain coldness to the physical layer of existence, or at least it seems like it's cold uh, when you look at it sort of like in a in just a in a more um, we'll call it data driven or physical side of things as opposed to trying to see what's underneath it and that 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 sense of the emptiness of existence it's it comes from a real a real phenomenon the, the dynamic of how Hashem creates existence is with something called simsum that Hashem pulls his presence back in a certain way and hides it from us so that way there is room for us to experience existence in a place of we'll call it somewhat emptiness of consciousness so that will allow us to then activate our own consciousness and make our own choices of how we want to manifest our own partial consciousness selves into that empty space. That empty space is called, in Kabbalah terms, the halal hapanui. There's just an, an emptiness in which Hashem's presence is hidden to allow for the actualization of our own presence, our own choice. And then in doing that, it gives us uh, an environment that really allows us to create ourselves and to to either make choices that continuously validate our presence uh, and make us experience ourselves more and more and more as what we truly are as conscious selves or we can w- live in ways that violate that and reduce that and so but the the issue is that when we do malacha so the, in that in that um, struggle to actualize ourselves through choice into the world in a way that now manifests our own consciousness and fills a little bit more of that gap, that yawning emptiness where there's where Hashem's consciousness is actually hidden, and we have now room to, to add our own consciousness into that space, so we can sometimes go a little bit too far. In other words, what can happen is you manifest your consciousness into the world, and then you get a little bit too attached to that experience of the physical manifestation of your consciousness and start saying, oh, actually, you know what? I think I am those physical consciousness manifestations. That's actually who I really am. And now I can kind of rely on the world to be the validation for who I am. As an example, if you're someone who is very wealthy and you're doing a lot, a lot of big things in the world, so you start to feel like, look, look how look how real I am because look at all these things I've built. I've built huge buildings. I've built organizations. I've built tremendous change in technology or in relationships or something like that. 
and you, you use that as a way to assess your own existence uh, as opposed to being able to tap into the root of yourself, which is the source of all consciousness, and that's really Hashem. You can think of it as like we are we are um, just pulling from the well of consciousness that is on the inside, and then we're supposed to shine that out into the outside and fill the yawning uh, gap of existence where there where, of the, the yawning gap of emptiness, at least we'll say, where Hashem's presence is is not accessible. But if you start to then lean on what you created in the outside space. And you over-identify yourself with that, then you can lose touch with the with the well that is within, and then you become part of the part of the yawning space, part of the gap, part of the emptiness in a certain way, and you lose your sense of self. You become untethered from from reality, and then you'll actually start to rely too much on the external side, and then you're you're you are out of synchrony with the totality of who you really are. And that's the problem, and that's the danger with malacha. All that capacity, the tendency that we have to do that, to get too stuck in our malacha orientation, all comes from the Eitz Hadas, and so all of Hilchel Shabbos is about struggling with malacha, and so we keep bringing up malacha because we're going to keep encountering it in different forms, and now we're still, we're kind of like uh, in a mixed place where the halacha that we're about to learn is partially in the Erev Shabbos space, and still like, like some of the ones we had until now, and also partially in the Malacha space, like the one from last week, a little bit differently, but still kind of similar. And the the main thing we have to understand here for this particular Halacha is to remember that Malacha is, and, and Torah and Shabbos, all of these concepts, so it's not that Hashem is like trying just to control us. Often people look at Hilchel Shabbos and say, oh, these are all the things we're not allowed to do, and if we do them, we're going to get in big trouble. And the reason why that's the orientation is because when we're young, or when we're, if people who are teaching children, so generally children are not able to reason. Their brain uh, level is not, they're not at a level where they can actually understand um, structural dynamics and cause and effect and, and, and big picture perspectives of how all the things coherently fit together. And so what we do is we teach children about basic cause and effect. If you do this thing, something bad will happen to you. And the Torah has to operate on a lev- on levels that, that are that are uh, intelligible for any type of person. So whether it's a five-year-old or a 25-year-old, the Torah says that somebody who violates Shabbos, there are certain consequences for that that are significant. Um, but the, the meaning of those consequences is very different for a five-year-old than for a 25-year-old. And so the the way that, that these things are often taught is they're taught on, the, on a child's level of like, this is bad, don't do this because you're going to get in trouble. And then, and then we very rarely upgrade those perspectives as educators or as parents to our children or even with, with our, within ourselves, and we stay with those perspectives uh, until, uh, until you know, we, basically our lives end. Very often people just kind of continue with them forever. Uh, one of my teachers, Rabbi David Aaron, has a great example where he was teaching Shabbos in a school, and, um, and one of the kids that was there said, oh, Shabbos, you mean that day where we don't tear toilet paper? In other words, that was, this was, a, you know, like a teenager who hit the perspective that they were essentially um, espousing was that the, the, that day is about not tearing toilet paper. And that's essentially, uh, in a, again, that's a particularly primitive way of thinking about Shabbos, obviously, but each of us has some form of that, uh, or m- at least may have some form of that, depending on how we learned about these things when we were younger, if we haven't updated the Torah software inside of our minds. And so if we think about Shabbos as just a day filled with things you're not allowed to do, that's obviously going to uh, really change the nature of the of the larger landscape of your perceptions of what Shabbos actually is. And so let's just to, to understand why I'm saying that now, well, 
We're about to talk about a malacha that has to do, the malacha of bishul, essentially, malacha of cooking things. And so the tricky thing about cooking things is and is, is that on Shabbos, we still eat food and we heat up food and we prepare food in different ways. And so what we see with the halachos of the, the malachos, the halachos of the malachos of food-related situations is that we actually have this uh, this dance or this very, very carefully poised and balanced interaction with these malachos on Shabbos. What I mean by that is we don't just say, okay, all malacha is bad and we shouldn't do any of it and that's it and we have to stay as far away from it as possible. We don't say that. Uh, and in fact, there's a little bit of a trend in society sometimes to do what's called chumras, which is where we are extra stringent to make sure we don't get anywhere near violating a concept in the Torah. And there's some, there's definitely purpose in that sometimes. When you're deeply in love with somebody, you want to be very, very uh, dedicated to, to being careful around them in your relationship in terms of like how you're gonna how you're gonna treat them. You want to you want to make sure there's enough um, protective mechanisms in place so that you don't hurt each other. But the problem also is when you go too far with that, then you end up sometimes losing touch with the relationship itself. And you get so obsessed with protecting the relationship, it can get to a point where it distorts the relationship uh, in, in actuality. And so that's also true here with Hashem very much. In other words, um, there's a lot of halachos of how to relate to Shabbos. And the trick here is actually not just about saying, you know what, this is so complicated, I'm just going to not uh, think about it. I just want to not have anything to do with anything that's remo- remotely like malacha. So on Shabbos, I'm going to eat only cold food, and I'll, I'll, I'll never cook things that are near, Shab- near to Shabbos, and I'll always make sure to eat only whole fruits and vegetables. So I don't want to cut anything up because I don't want to do any kind of action which could actually be potentially a violation of Shabbos. And then that's actually against a different set of halachos, which is that you're supposed to enjoy Shabbos. That's actually, here's a fascinating example. You're actually required, according to the halacha, to eat hot food on Shabbos. So that means it's like, well, heating up food is a really complicated thing to do if the, one of the malachos of Shabbos that you're not supposed to do is cooking. So what you see is that there is a very intense balance here where we're trying to walk on the edge of, of living fully alive and doing things that are really uh, rich and, and, and enjoyable and f- special and, and, and high level and complexity, but also uh, protect ourselves from going over that extra step into the realm of actual malacha, which then begins to distort our consciousness towards our creativity on a day where we're supposed to be pulling back and actually accessing the well within us, the source that is Hashem, uh, instead of being immersed in our creative identity. So, or I should say immersed in the identity that we sometimes can create uh, by actually spending time doing malacha during the week. So let's actually look at the halacha, and uh, I'm going to just show you exactly what I mean when I say this. So this again is Reish Nun Gimel 253, uh, halacha Aleph, the first halacha in that section. So it says, Kira, Shehi Asuya Kikidera. We have a kira. A kira is like a stove top. So you can just think of this as like, a, it's like a surface that you cook on. That is, it's, There's a heat uh, we'll call it a heating element. Really, it's kind of like a box. That's why it says it's like a kedera. Kedera means like a like a, a pot. So you think of it as like a box, a stone box that you put that has a hole on top. You put heating things inside, different kinds of uh, fuel to make fire. So you put that. You have one of those. Uh, again, you can just think of this as like your stove. So you put a pot on top of that opening, uh, which is where the heating element is. So you're you're putting that. that that's how it works. And he says, So let's imagine a case where there's actually room for two different pots on top of this uh, heating element, this stove situation. So he says, If it was uh, fueled, you put inside of it, uh, gefes is like, um, 
it, he explains, Shehup Sola Shel Zesim, Gefes means like a refuse of olives, in other words, a, a, a fuel that's pretty uh, pretty significant, substantive fuel source that's inside of it, Obeetim, or wood, you can put wood inside of this this uh, firebox, he says, Aser Litein Alea Tavshil, you're not allowed to then place some kind of uh, thing that you want to cook, Mibaod Yom, while it's on, on Friday, Lashhoso Alea, to leave it sitting on the stovetop like this, um, into Shabbos, because what might you have said, as we saw in previous episodes, you can actually start doing a certain malacha. Sometimes you can do certain malachos on Friday, start them, and let them finish themselves on Shabbos. So here, what might you have said, you could take some kind of raw dish inside of a, a pot or other cooking container, and you place it on top of the stove before Shabbos, and you just let it cook into Shabbos. And he says you cannot do that if it's if it's a situation like this where the fuel inside is, is olives uh, uh, or wood, um, you can only do that if it was already fully cooked. In other words, you can't put it there when it's only half cooked. And meaning you can put it up on there if it's um, if it's you're, you're not, you cannot put it on there if it is partially cooked, unless adding it adding more cooking time is actually going to make it worse. And why is that? Because in such a situation, there is no concern that you might come to prod at the fire source and uh, and try to make the fire stronger. So we're gonna have to like this halacha is very lengthy. We're gonna, you're, if you're looking, if you're following inside, then you already know that there's like two more pages of this halacha. Um, we're gonna just just clarify this one part first, and then we're gonna get to the later parts. I just want to stress that the halacha that we're about to, that we're in the middle of exploring, there's actually two different approaches to this, and the second approach is actually much more lenient, and we're gonna see that probably in about two two weeks from now. Um, so don't draw any conclusions right now about what you should actually what you actually should or should not do in terms of your application of this halacha. Um, but the idea here is that if you are uh, trying to start a cooking process, if you're in the middle of a cooking process, you have something which is partially cooked, and you want to put it on top of a fire before Shabbos and leave it there into Shabbos, so you're not supposed to do that because you might come, you might come to uh, change the heat levels to make sure the food is cooked in time. So let's say if Shabbos starts at 5.30 this week, uh, the sun sets then, so that means that now the, that's the end of the daylight of Friday, and so now the, the energy of Shabbos begins towards the ending of the lighting of Friday. Um, so now you, you, you're going to be eating food, let's say, if Shabbos starts at 5, you're going to eat food at 6.30, for example, and let's say you see that the food that you have on the fire that you had there before Shabbos is not really anywhere close to being ready, so you, you, you out of habit or out, out of, you know, without realizing, or even sometimes a little bit like you kind of do realize, but you're, you're very, very worried because your guests are coming, so you're frantic. These are all examples of somebody who's not really fully thinking, making healthy calculations, uh, so you adjust the fire in some way. In the example in the Shulchan Aruch, you can just put, put a stick in there and prod the coal so that way they get more flaming. Uh, in today's world, you can act, act, you can just turn a knob, and that makes the fire go up. So what the Shulchan Aruch here is talking about is putting uh, something to cook before Shabbos and then leaving it into Shabbos, and so you're not allowed to do that if there is an easy way for you to actually change the level of heat so that way you can cook it um, more, let's say, more quickly on Shabbos. Because of this problem, we're afraid you might do it out of habit or out of, uh, you know, pressure, you're going to try to change the cooking speed uh, going at, while it's or when it's already Shabbos. So let's just stress again. So the concept here, the malacha is bishol. Bishol is cooking, and the concept of malacha is applying your consciousness in some way to the world to create a higher state of organization in a permanent way. That is what cooking is. We're taking raw materials, we're combining them in, a, in an organized, creative way to then create a higher type of food that is now permanently in that state. You can't uncook something. 
So the question is, well, if you want to get engaged in a malacha like this before Shabbos, in such a way that it will run into Shabbos, so are there limitations on that? On that? And the answer is, well, like in this case, when it's easy to change the fire, so we're not going to let you do this because it, you might easily end up stepping over the line on this balance point. We're going to see in the second half of this halacha, there are ways to do this where you don't have this problem, in which case you actually could set up food like this to cook before Shabbos. And then going into Shabbos, the malacha takes care of itself, and there is no danger of you stepping over the line into the malacha space on your own, and instead it just takes care of itself. And so this is one half of the issue that I just I, that I just articulated, which is that the halacha wants you to do malacha for Shabbos to make Shabbos something which is special and 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 powerful and intense and complex and deep. That's what the halacha wants. So you we have to learn through these things carefully and understanding the the, the underlying um, we'll say underlying trajectory, underlying desire of halacha, or under, underlying desire of Hashem in this situation is that we're supposed to be involved in part of the malacha space on Shabbos in a certain way, but with a certain amount of distance, and that, that exact balance is delineated here, and so this example, we're basically trying to show that balance. We're saying, okay, you can you can set this up in a certain way, but if it's in a way that the malacha will end up being activated by you on Shabbos, that's too close, and so we're going to move you a little further back, and then we're going to see the flip side example in the next episode of this of this series uh, to see exactly how you you have the malacha, but without you stepping over the line, and then creating that exact balance, that way you don't engage the malacha on Shabbos to then maintain the connection to the underlying well of Hashem, while also enjoying the, the material, physical, dy- uh, dynamic, tangible world. Okay, Hope that that was clear and that you enjoyed that. Thanks again for tuning in and for listening. Check us out at yasoblocks.com. I'm looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.